Blog Talk Radio. Saturday, November 8th, 2014, and you're tuned in to another edition of The Missy Show, where your premier source for fun and informative pet topics. I'm your host, Jay, and joining me once again is my lovely co-host, Dee. How you doing, Dee? Hello, Jay. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm just not sure whose accent showed up today. I don't either. I don't know who that is. <laughs> At first, I was going to say it was like one of those British, like, cheerio kind of things, but then I was like, I thought I heard a tinge of maybe Middle Eastern. I'm not sure. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Um. I, I'm um, I'm doing well. I'm just in, I'm enjoying this beautiful weather. It's it was a gorgeous day today. It was cool, and I'm enjoying the fact that the leaves are actually starting to change colors. At least at my job, anyway. A lot of those trees are starting to change colors, and it's really pretty. So I'm in a whimsical state of mind right now. You know what I loved about this morning was that when we finally got out of the house, because we kind of got a little late today, but when we finally got out of the house, it was that overcast gray that looked like snow weather. I know, I and I wish it would have stayed. I love that, too. I hate it when the sun came out because I was like, no, I like, I'm, you know, I'm not a, I, I, I love the sun, don't get me wrong. Love the folly days, but I love this over, it was like an overcast grayish kind of a day, and I love that because it just looked like if it was cold enough, it would have snowed. I love that. And I bet in some places that is their reality. I was looking at the Weather Channel, and a lot of places up north, they're kind of going to catch it if they aren't already. Yeah, they're getting, they're going to get some snow, or they they are they are getting snow, or they are going to get some snow because of this Alaskan blast or something that's coming from Alaska or something like that. But yeah, it's it's cold. I like the warm and toasty um, heat, and, and you know my feet have finally warmed up. <laughs> Freezing. So they finally warmed up, so it's cool. I like this. I'm ready for this to stay. I don't want it to warm back up. Yeah, anyway. I know. I know. You know, hopefully it'll stay this way by the time we air our pre-Thanksgiving and our post-Black Friday shows. So make sure, everybody, that you join us for our November 22nd episode. That one's going to be Turkeys as Pets. And our last episode for November is going to be Holiday Shopping Tips for Pets. And that episode is going to air November 29th. Now, for next week's episode, um, we're going to air it on a special day and time. It's going to air next Friday, which will be November 14th at 5.30. So we'll be on a day early and 30 minutes later than our usual time. And that topic is going to be the pros of adopting a senior pet. So um, keep in mind, this is Adopt a Senior Pet Month, so be sure to join us for that one. Um, If you'd like to join in on today's topic, be sure to call us at 347-838-8313, or you may listen later in the archives at blogtalkradio.com forward slash she's a Tory, that's S-H-E-S-A-T-O-R-T-I-E. You can also check out our Facebook page for links from today's episode at facebook.com forward slash missy.show44. And be sure to check out our blog entry after today's show. Now, on to today's topic. We're going to be discussing the issue of pet diabetes 
addition to November being Adopt a Senior Pet Month, it's also Pet Diabetes Awareness Month. So since we've never covered this issue on the show, we thought this would be a great time to put a spotlight on a spotlight on this issue. You know, at one time I didn't even know that an animal could have diabetes. You know, I didn't either, Jay. It was, you know, it wasn't until um, I think I read some about it, and then with my my boomer when he was here, that dog, and you know, you know how dogs would always drink water. Yeah. But, but boomer would. Drink. There will be times where he would drink water and you're like, what in the world? Because <laughs> it wasn't even a thing of where he was, like, out running. Because you know what, the dog is active or whatever, and they're like, oh, I need to drink the water. So, well, I guess that's how they would sound when they go to get water. But they go and get the water and they're drinking it, and you're like, wow, you were thirsty. But he would, could he could just get up and go get some water, and he would literally drink the bottom out of it, and and then he would come back a little while later, he would drink it again, and we're like, what is going on? And he would get up in the middle of the night sometimes, and you would hear him in the house, and we were like, because when he first did it, it freaked me out, because I was like, what in the world is that? And I realized, oh, that's Boomy drinking water like a camel. He was like laughing it for all it was worth, and I was like, what in the world? So we did actually... um kind of get him checked out for that, for, for it, because we were like, well, we, you know what, actually, we were, I was just saying to the, the vet, like, you know, he's drinking water, blah, 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 and, and the vet was like, well, you know, it could possibly be just, he, you know, he drinks water, and he, he has a big coat on him, and it makes him hot, so he wants to cool himself off, so he goes to drink water, because it makes him hot, and plus, he, and he was like, where did he sleep? He sleeps on the carpet, so that could, and, you know, also contribute to him being hot, so he would drink water to cool himself off. But then they were like, well, it could also be, you know, diabetes. And we were like, I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, that's one of the symptoms of it. And I was like, I did not know that. So, you know, they found out he wasn't. But And plus he was a little bit heavier. He was right. a big, heavier dog. So it was like, okay. And But he wasn't. It was just, he just drank water. Like, a, he just drank water a lot. And he um, would get thirsty a lot. And it's, I think a lot of the time, and I really noticed that sometimes it happened when the house was warmer. So in addition to him being a child mix and he had that big coat, plus he was on the carpet, it just kind of added to him just getting hot. He was just thirsty. So we would always keep plenty of water around for him. So that was just his normal to drink a lot of water, at least in the summer months or when it was really hot. Yeah, summer months are when we would have the heat on because it wasn't as if he was cold because he had a coat. <laughs> he had his coat on, but we would have it on, and if he was laying in the the living room on the carpet under the the heat so where the vent would come out and he would be blasted with that heat, he would get hot. So when he got hot, he was like, you know, if he could unzip that coat, he would take it off. But um, he would get up and just go drink water. And it was just his way of trying to cool himself off and, off and he would get thirsty. So. Well, poor baby. Well, at least very glad that it wasn't diabetes. Because yes. I think that would have freaked me out because after doing some of my research on it, you know, just the idea of having to give Missy a daily insulin injection, even though on some of the stuff I've read they said that it really doesn't hurt them, but I think that would still freak me out having to do that every day. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, I just, I couldn't, I don't know if I could because one, you know, just with Boomer, he was such a skittish kind of dog at times when he was trying, just remember trying to clip his toenails, it was just a battle. And it got to the point where I was like, you know what, I can't do this. And I would just let the vet do it. So I know coming at him with a needle would have been like, oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You're a 
even gonna do that to me. So it was it was that that was freaking out a little bit. It would freak me out a little bit. And I guess for our audience out there, I, I know all of us have heard of diabetes, but I guess maybe we should define exactly what diabetes is um, yes. so our audience can know. Did, did you um, run across a definition, D, of, of yes. diabetes? What? Well, actually, the ASPCA.org, um, when I was doing my research, had some great information on it. And basically, what is diabetes or, or canine diabetes? And more specifically, this is geared toward dogs, but, I, you know, just with our research, I think this is kind of the, the general di- definition for, you know, dogs and cats probably. So they stated that diabetes in dogs is a complex disease caused by either a lack of the hormone insulin or an inadequate response to insulin. After a dog eats, his digestive system breaks down into various components, food down into various components including glucose, which is carried into his cells by insulin, a hormone secreted by the pancreas. When a dog does not produce insulin or cannot utilize it normally, his blood sugar level elevates. This results in hypoglycemia, which, which, if left untreated, can cause many complicated health problems for a dog. They also say that it is important to understand, however, that diabetes is considered a manageable disorder in many diabetic dogs, and I guess it's in general, can lead happy, healthy lives. Okay. Yeah, so that, that, that's pretty much what I was seeing even when I was researching. I was researching dogs and cats, but you found more info about dogs and I found more info about cats, and it sounds pretty similar. Yeah, it's, you know, for them they were saying that diabetes can be classified as either type 1, which is a lack of insulin production, or type 2, which is impaired insulin production along with an inadequate response to the hormones. It said that most, the most common form of disease is type 1, insulin-dependent diabetes, which occurs when the pancreas is incapable of producing or secreting adequate levels of insulin. Dogs who have type 1 require insulin therapy to survive, and type 2 diabetes is found in cats and is a lack of normal response to insulin. And uh, what I also ran across as far as the symptoms of diabetes, and I think this applied for both dogs and cats. This particular site was about cats, but on um, my site that I found about dogs, um, there are four um, classic symptoms. Uh, one is excessive thirst, you know, like you were discussing with Boomer, but in his case he didn't have diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you will see them drinking more water than usual. Also, you're going to notice they'll have an increased need to urinate. Exactly. Um, you'll also notice that they may experience weight loss, even though they also get this fourth symptom of increased appetite. Mm -hmm. So you would think that those things wouldn't go together. So even though it seems like they're eating up a lot more food, it's like you'll notice that they're losing weight at the same time. Exactly. So those are four of the symptoms that can be found in both dogs and cats with diabetes. I also came across some more to add with that. Those, I think, are the four main ones. Um, I don't know if you said a change in appetite. Did you say that, Jay? Um, they uh, here it says yeah, increased appetite. Yeah, like they'll. But I think maybe there is a phase where they start to lose their appetite too. But I know they said they'll start to like eat a lot more. And something else that I found very interesting was they said that they have an unusually sweet smelling or fruity breath, which you know, you know, for most animals, least <laughs> for my booty, bless his heart. You know, he didn't have the worst breath, but it wasn't fruity smelling or sweet. Let's put it that way. 
<laughs> and you know what, Dee? I believe that because I had a family member with diabetes. And, and amazingly, a lot of the symptoms in animals are the same symptoms that are in humans when they're diabetics. And I smelled that scent before, you know, with, with my family member when they had that going on. Yeah, you know, that that's one of the, the symptoms they said that you can, you know, if you, you, you might have a suspicion that your, your pet or might have it, you know, check out the breath, smell it, and see if it's kind of, you know, fruity or, or sweet smelling. Which you know, I, I, I would you know, guess that would be a telltale sign because, like I say, with my dog, his breath wasn't that bad, but it wasn't that good. <laughs> so if it came out smelling like roses, I would be a little bit like, what the heck is going on? What you been eating? So that that can be a telltale sign. Also, I saw where it said you can have chronic skin infections and cataract formation and blindness. You know, and that's one of the things that is tacked on with with humans. Yes, um, because actually my grandmother had diabetes and she had begun to get cataracts. So, so yeah, that can be a symptom. You know what I didn't run across, but I wonder is it the same in pets? Because I know with human diabetics, they have to take very good care of their feet. That's how yeah. you end up having a lot of people have amputations, you know, if they get infections or they step on a nail or something gets in their foot, you know. So I, I didn't know if animals could have those same type of complications. I, I didn't see anything about that. I didn't see that either, and that's a good point to make. I wonder if wound care is an important thing for them, you know, or does it take their wounds a long time to heal as well as you? Yeah. And and something else I saw, too, with dogs, I didn't know that it was more common in certain dogs. They were saying, like, golden retrievers, German shepherds, miniature schnauzers, poodles. I don't know what this dog, Kishondon? I've never heard of that type of dog, but they have the highest incidence, but all breeds can be affected. Um, they say females with the disease outnumber males by three to one. Okay, I didn't know that. And the average age of onset is six to nine years old. Yeah, I read that too, yeah. It's, it's you know, it's it's a crazy thing when you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, certain dogs, because I didn't, you know, I didn't, first of all, just not knowing that animals could have diabetes, and then you're thinking, well, certain dogs could get it. I wonder why they're just certain dogs, which why these particular dogs are at greater risk. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and as we found when we've done some of our past shows that, you know, certain breeds are more susceptible to certain illnesses, and I guess it's no different with diabetes. Um, but uh, but if you do suspect that your pet may have diabetes, make sure that you don't try to self-diagnose because there are those tests that I ran across where you can test their their blood levels, blood sugar levels, and um, the sugar levels in their urine. But it's best to just take your pet to the vet and let them diagnose them with diabetes. Exactly. Don't try to self-diagnose it. Exactly. If if in doubt, you know you see a lot of these symptoms, don't just assume that oh well, no, this is because it's this. Take them to the vet. Take them and let them get a proper diagnosis, and so that way you can you can lay out a plan of treatment. Because what I read was that this is treatable. It's a treatable disease. Mm-hmm. It's it's not something that you know you, your pet can live a healthy and long life. But you, just like humans, it's something you have to be cautious of. It's something you have to do maintenance on. It's something you have to you know be aware of and take precautions for. But the pet can be just a normal. It's just certain things you have to do in order to make sure that they're healthy. Exactly. And another thing that um, I guess the average person would think about is if you um, do discover that your pet has diabetes after taking it to the vet, 
Um, like he was saying, I mean, the pet can live a normal life, you know, with proper maintenance and care, you know, and you're giving the pet its insulin shots and taking care of it through diet, exercise, those type of things. But you also have to be aware if you're going to go on vacation for extended periods, of you need to have somebody there who knows how to properly take care of your pet for you. They know how to give them the insulin shots. They know the type of food that they need to eat. They know the proper amounts to give them each day. Because you you can you can manage this, but you just have to kind of you know work around the disease. And a lot of times that can feel overwhelming because you may feel like, well, I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything. But if you have a good support system, you can still go on vacation, you can still do those things, but you just have to more carefully plan those things ahead of time. Yeah, completely manageable. I mean, this isn't something where you have to feel like, oh, no, this, you know, it's a completely manageable disease. It's something that you can, you know, just you have to you have to take extra precautions, but I think once you get into that routine of it and you get educated on it, 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 it will come become routine. And another thing, if your vet doesn't know something or they're not sure how to treat your pet, you know, he should consult with a specialist or refer you to a vet with more experience. You know, exactly. so if you do go to a vet and they just don't really seem like they know how to handle that, ask them can they refer you to maybe a specialist or someone who does know more about it. Yeah, you know, I've, I read about, um, you know, how, how it's actually treated um, and just reading certain things in, in this particular, you know, website that I was on, you know, they were saying that diabetes is based on how severe the symptoms and lab work are and whether there are um, any other health issues that could complicate the therapy. Each dog, or I guess animal, will respond a little bit differently to treatment, and therapy must be tailored to that individual dog throughout his life. Some dogs may be seriously ill when first diagnosed and require intensive hospital care for several days to regulate their blood sugar. Dogs who are more stable when first diagnosed may respond to oral medication or high-fiber diet, like you were saying, Jay, you have to, you know, adjust the diet, or high-fiber diet um, that helps to normalize, you know, glucose levels in the blood. For most dogs, insulin injections are necessary for adequate regulation of blood glucose. Once your pet's individual insulin treatment is established, typical based, typically based on weight, you'll be shown how to give the insulin injections at home. And they also said something that um, spaying your dog is recommended as female sex hormones can have an effect on the blood sugar level. Really? Yeah. So that's, you know, another thing to think about if you have a female dog. And so that's another important thing why it's important, you know, if if you're not breeding, if it's not something that you're going to be doing, go ahead and have your, your female dog spayed or, you know, spayed. Yeah. It's just, yeah, because that's right. I did read just read that too. And yeah, they were saying that female dogs have a higher incidence of diabetes than male dogs. Yeah, it's it's. It's it's always good when people, when they always say, you know, control the pet population, have your pet spayed or neutered, you know, Bob Barker's all saying, you know, that's a good thing and that's something you should really live by unless you're going to breed your dog or, if, you know, something like that. Go ahead and get that done because it has a lot of health benefits tied to it. Definitely, definitely. Um, another concern that, you know, may come up is how much is this going to cost? And really, a lot of that depends on how ill your animal is at the time that they're taken there, because I know with my research on cats, they can have um, either uncomplicated diabetes or they can have diabetes with ketoacidosis. 
and the um, uncomplicated diabetes, your cat will not be extremely ill and show basic signs of the disease, such as excessive drinking, frequent urination, and susceptibility to kidney and bladder infections. But the diabetes with ketoacidosis, your cat would be very ill and may be vomiting and depressed. Ketoacidosis happens when ketosis and acidosis occurs. Ketosis is the accumulation of substances called ketone bodies in the blood. Acidosis is increased acidity of the blood. So a lot of times it just depends on how ill the animal is. If the animal requires hospitalization, of course, that's going to cost you more. But if it's not something really serious like that, probably just the the monthly cost probably won't be that bad because, of course, you have to buy the syringes, insulin, testing supplies. Then, of course, you may have to, you know, change their pet food. And, you know, they do have prescription pet food, but there are other options for you. You don't have to go there all the time. But really it just depends. But they were saying that most vets will work with you and they will let you break that down into monthly payments if need be. That's good. That's good. That's really good. So much information here. I was trying to see what else would I like to say on this with our remaining time. Um, I know this would be my thing that I was saying earlier. You know, I I would just be feeling like, am I hurting her? You know, if I had to give Missy this, a lot of times that people feel, you know, you just feel emotionally just like a raw nerve, you know, because you're you're afraid for your pet, you know, just to exactly. hear them say that. It, it's not as bad maybe as hearing them say that your pet is dying or whatever or something like that, but still it can be a serious illness if it's not managed. And just yeah. the idea of having to approach your pet with a needle, because I know how Missy is, and even when I just have to put the flea treatment on her, she doesn't like it. And so she can kind of tell now, I think, when I'm about to put it on her. We only have to do it once a month. But she I, she tenses up, and she'll mm-hmm. tend to want to go run and hide. So I can yeah. only imagine if I had to stick her every day, and she would learn the sound probably when I'm, you know, taking the needle out of the packaging and everything. And I feel like, you know, I'm hurting her, and, and I wouldn't want her to make that association with me and pain and that I'm having to stick her every day. So I think that would cause me anxiety. Yeah, and, and it's just because, you know, pets are smart. Boomer was the smartest thing that I ever, I mean, he could pick up on just, our, you know, certain reactions and movements that we would do that he would know, okay, I'm getting ready to go to, or ride in the car, or they're getting ready to give me a fast, you know, I need to hide, or something like that. So I would imagine that if you're undoing the, you know, the paper or whatever, if you're starting to, stick the dog or stick the cat or whatever, they would associate, uh-oh, I heard that sound, they're getting rid of sticking with a needle. Yeah, or even, you know, maybe some of them can take the pills, but then they may, if they're like Missy, I mean, Missy didn't like to take pills. Exactly. So it's it's, it's something that you'll have to, you know, kind of learn the best way for your pet or, or you know, you might have to follow it up with some, some, some you know, positive reinforcements or something that, even though I hear that sound, this is going to happen. After that, I get to play with my favorite toy or something like that, you know, something that. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, maybe give him a little treat or something. Oh, that's how we did with Boomer. Oh, please. You know, he would have to take his, because Boomer had lots of allergies and stuff, so, and he hated taking stuff. And that little something would always figure out how to eat whatever you gave him, and then all of a sudden you'd see him and he would just spit it out, and he'd be like, nah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I ate the cheese, but I didn't eat the pill. <laughs> you had to be real tricky with Boomer because he was a smart dog. So it's, it's, you 
if, if it's something that you're you're having to do for your pet and you're finding it hard, and of course you have to be wary of their diet, so you don't want to give them stuff that's going to make them sicker. But, you know, if there's something that they can have, or none of them have to be, you know, food positive reinforcement. It can be a toy that they like. You only yeah, have to play true. Yeah, you don't you only have to let them play with this toy on this special occasion so they know, oh no, I've heard the drawer with this or I've heard that tearing of the thing for the needle. This is gonna happen, but I also know when that happens I get the toy. Because we did that a lot with Boomer too, with certain things we would have to do for him. It would be reinforced I mean, he was positively reinforced through his gut, you know, if it was involving food or I was he was all part of it. But Sometimes we would do it with toys because it just got to the point where, you know, you can only feed the dog so many peanut butter cookies to the point where you're like, hey. So we would buy him just a special toy that he knew he loved to play with, but he only get to play with it on special occasions. And if we had to do something that was, he probably wasn't going to be a part of, like, you know, a bath. He hated taking baths. Once you got him in the tub and gave him a bath, he loved it. But once you got him out of it, you would allow him to play with this special toy. So it wasn't a bad experience for him because he knew, okay, if I sit here and I let him clean my ears and give me a bath, when I get out and get blow-dried and, you know, I get my toy. So it was when he came out, he was like, okay, now where's my toy? <laughs> where's my toy? So, you know, just reinforcing some things that might not be pleasant for your animal, but you know it's best for your animal with positive stuff, connecting all that all together, they'll start to associate it, so. Yeah, that's actually a great idea that I didn't think about. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, just it's just it's it's not a pleasant thing, and I don't know about the the owner because I I would probably be with you, Jay. Oh God, Cause, you know I never like to cause you know my animal any pain, even if I knew it was something I was doing good for him. I just never like to do it or something that made him uncomfortable because Boomer hated to get his ears clean, and but he needed to get it this because he was prone to ear infections. But I know he hated it, and when he got upset, I'd get upset, and he was just like, we both were upset, and I'm like, I'm sorry. And he was just like, I don't want this. And so <laughs> it would be horrible, but I would have to, that's how that whole, you know, toy thing came about, because I was like, okay, if you just let me do this, I'll let you play the toy. So he knew after that the toy would come. So, you know, you kind of have to sometimes kind of chain it together with something positive for him. Yeah, yeah. So, so for any um, pet owner out there, and you just uh, recently got the diagnosis that your pet has diabetes, um, the anxiety is a normal thing to feel because my pet doesn't have diabetes, and I still feel it anyway. You know, just the possibility of that. But just know that you know if you have to do that for your pet's own good, you know, even if it's something they don't like, maybe just come behind that each time, and you know, just do something positive. Maybe let them go out and play for a little while, or, or give them their favorite toy. Just just associate it with something that is fun for them. Yeah, and and the site that I was on, you know, said that what if your pet was recently diagnosed? If this was one of the questions, one of the frequently asked questions, it's like, what advice would you give to them? And basically, the um, ASC, ASPCA was saying that you need to learn everything you can about diabetes. Talk to your vet, your personal doctor, other owners of diabetic animals, because I'm quite sure they can have lots of advice for you, and friends or relatives with diabetes. Your pet's recovery will depend on a lot of what you know. You will need to work closely with your vet, of course, and offer your input. And don't, this is the most important thing not just with pets, but just also with just your health in general with, when you're going to the doctor, but more so when, when you're with your pet. Don't be afraid to ask questions. There are no stupid questions because 
I would go into the vet every time with my notepad and my pen. And I basically had questions, especially if I was going in with he had a problem. I would go in with all the questions that I needed to ask. You need to inform yourself. You have to be educated. And you need to ask every and any question you think you might want to know. Even if you think this is a crazy question, ask it, you know. And ask for training from your vet on, on giving the injections and monitoring the, the blood glucose level, you know. Let them ask them if you can do it while you're there with them, if that's a time that you can do it so they can give you tips and things to make you more comfortable with it. Right. You know, I had a thought. I wondered, you know, just like how with most disorders for humans that there are support groups, I wonder are there any support groups for pet owners? Never thought about that. Yeah, you know, you, I wonder. I don't know. You would think that there's got to be something out there or whatever. I miss if maybe, hey, if there's not one that you find, maybe you can start your own. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking that. Start your own like pet diabetes support group, and you know, maybe and once you're educated, maybe you can help other pet owners out there, and you all can come together, maybe weekly, monthly, however often you want to. You know, maybe and and also ask your vet; he may know some support groups. Exactly. It's all about education. The more educated you are, the less fear I think you have in anything in life. But I think this also applies to pet diabetes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, I can't believe we're just about nearly down to 30 seconds, but I just wanted to say that we have a lot of other information that we didn't get to, but as we normally do, we will post links to all of our information on our Facebook page so you guys can check that out and look into that. Remember, our next episode is not going to air on Saturday. It's going to air this Friday, and it will be at 5.30, but we'll send little uh, reminders to everyone. It will be on our Twitter and Facebook page reminding you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and you all have a great weekend. Bye, everybody. Bye.